We now have a Paris podcast. The Dumb Ox Podcast. The Dumb Ox Podcast. The Dumb Ox Podcast. Howdy everybody and welcome to another episode of the Dumb Ox Podcast. Uh, this week I'm going to be a little bit of a liturgy nerd for you guys. Uh, I wanted to talk about something that you might have experienced if you came to our All Saints Day Mass uh, and something that hopefully you'll get to experience moving forward on some of our more solemn feasts. So, this episode I'm going to look at singing the creed. I don't know if any of you guys have ever experienced that before or heard about it or even feel like it's possible. Um, the creed is what we recite together after the homily, the I believe in one God, and it's a long uh, string of assertions and doctrines, basically, um, that that the church put together as a way to unify everybody in one belief. And uh, some of you guys might be thinking, singing this like, doctrinal formula? Like, how does that work? Uh, I understand the Gloria. The Gloria was written like poetry, and it has some melody to it, some um, movement to it. Uh, but the creed? I don't know about that. Um, yeah, so I, I wanted to go ahead and look into what the creed is and why we're singing it and what happened and uh, prepare you guys for the future. So the creed, or... Uh, it's, it's called creed uh, because it comes from the Latin credo, uh, which means I believe. <clears throat> that is the first line of the creed. I believe in one God. Um, the Nicene Creed is what we recite pretty much every Sunday. Um, that any, any kind of important liturgy, any solemn liturgy, any special liturgy um, will recite the creed after the homily. Uh, and that's, it's not a, a more solemn liturgy specifically because we recite the creed, but if it's a solemn liturgy, we, we are required to recite the creed. The church asks us to recite the creed and the glory on, on all those big feasts or all those special things. Um, and the creed, uh, which was formulated at the Council of Nicaea uh, to combat heresies, uh, right, it's it's where the bishops came together and they formulated different phrases and, and assertions to combat different heresies at that time, uh, like the divinity of Christ, the humanity of Christ, all those kinds of things, uh, the sacraments, all that kind of stuff. The church said, hey, we need to have one unifying principle that we can get everybody together and say, yeah, you're Catholic, you're Catholic, you're Catholic, because we're all reciting the same thing. We're all saying, I believe in these following assertions. So uh, the creed made way back when, the fourth century, uh, has actually been integral to the Catholic Church because it was formulated way back when. And it worked its way into the Mass. Uh, it wasn't always said at Mass, um, but pretty early on or midway through the life of the Church, uh, it got brought into the Mass and it's basically been uh, at the same place uh, since it was brought in, where it's recited after the homily, before the liturgy of the Eucharist. Uh, it's pretty much been there throughout the history of the church. 
Um, the mass itself uh, is is written as a bunch of words, right? Uh, prayers put together by the church, guided by the Holy Spirit, uh, to capitulate, to bring together all of the intentions, the desires, the wonderings, the prayers, the supplications of the people of God, us, the church, uh, to bring to God. And the church has asked that to make things more important, um, that you do things to help everyone really acknowledge that what we're doing is important, uh, to help us understand, uh, whether subliminally or explicitly, that it is a more important thing, or uh, also to do proper worship to God, was that he deserves our best. And so instead of just saying things, uh, if you were at the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas that Father Chris Smith celebrated for us last year. Uh, he, he said this in his homily that we were not just saying things at that Mass because we were doing a very solemn liturgy. We were singing. Because you, you can say things all the time. I mean, I'm talking right now. You talk to people all the time. But singing is an elevated version of speaking. It's taking your speech one step higher into something different, into something new, to something special. And so the church uh, says that pretty much anything in the Mass can be sung uh, as part of this acknowledgement that God deserves our best, that we can give Him our best, and that, uh, that singing is one step higher than speaking. It's taking the words and, and elevating them a little bit. You might have noticed we've done a little bit more of this over the last couple of years where um, Father Albert's been singing a few more of the prayers. Uh, we've been singing a few more of the dialogues, the, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. We've been singing a little bit more. Uh, you might have noticed recently we started singing the readings. Uh, and sometimes we'll sing the prayers of the faithful. Um, the people who have stepped up to help with that have been uh, really great. The, the lectors, the readers, and the deacons have been doing a lot of work to try to elevate that part of the Mass by singing their parts there. Um, and the church isn't saying write these super elaborate settings that take giant ensembles and orchestras to sing. Uh, the church has always had something called chant, or plain chant, or simple chant, uh, where you're taking the words and you're singing them, but you're singing them based on the melody of the text or to help flush out the meaning of the text and to, uh, to follow your natural rhythm of speaking, right? Like uh, how I'm speaking right now has a natural rhythm. You could take that, you could take my inflections, you could take my movements like I'm kind of enunciating right now, and you could make it sung a little bit, and it would be just like speaking, just a little bit more. A little bit more work to sing, a little bit more breath, a little bit more sustaining in my voice to help it come out as singing. And so the church has all of these prayers, all the dialogues, all these things uh, set, or, or melodies at least uh, given examples, given as to how the clergy can sing how we can respond in song. 
Um, the readings less the church is less helpful. It gives a guideline, but it doesn't write out all the readings, so those have to be written out. But it's here's a principle of how a sentence ends, how a question goes. This is how you sing that if it has a question mark or something like that, um, as a way of acknowledging different parts in a reading. Uh, so you might have noticed that we've been doing that at some solemnities, uh, m pretty much all solemnities we've been singing the readings, but maybe not at every mass on a weekend or on a feast day. Uh, that's something that we're doing moving forward to kind of add to the solemnity of the liturgy. It's, it's meant to be like uh, upcoming, we're having the solemnity of Christ the King of the Universe. And that is a very important feast. It is the end of the liturgical year. It is acknowledging Christ as king over all, uh, which he is. And Christ deserves our highest praise during that time. It is a solemn feast. So we'll be singing the readings uh, as at some of the masses as a way of acknowledging uh, more explicitly to ourselves and to God that uh, he is the king, that he is the king over our lives and the world. Something that the church almost always did uh, a few decades back was everything either you the, the two structures basically were either you sung everything or you sung nothing um, now we have the ability to find the middle ground where it's you can sing different things based on the ability of the congregation on the music program on the priest uh, and the rest of the clergy so that way it's not it doesn't have to be as onerous every time uh, it's like, oh, it's a Sunday, I have to sing every little thing, or, oh, it's just a Sunday in ordinary time, uh, we don't have to sing anything. No, it, it's a way of, there, there's a progression that you can have uh, based on the ability of the church. Uh, but previously, the church always sung everything, and that included the creed. Now, the creed, which we had written in Latin for the Latin church, uh, Latin is a lot more melodic. Uh, the endings of words match a lot more. That's how you connect the phrases together because word order actually doesn't matter in Latin. You could say a sentence in complete gibberish order, but you would know what the words, the meaning is based on the endings of the words and stuff like that. Um, Latin had a nice melody to it when you, when you read the creed and it flowed very nicely. So it was easier to sing. Uh, when the liturgy was translated into English, that pretty much stopped. Um, like I said at the beginning, it was one of the longest sections of, of prayers. Uh, it's it's a kind of statement of doctrines and truths rather than a prayer, it feels like. So when you have it in English, it was a lot harder to pray by singing. Uh, and most churches just stopped singing the creed. Um, one of our uh, parishioners, uh, one of our organists, Felicia, uh, she actually published an article on this a while back uh, saying the title of our article is Whatever Happened to the Sung Credo, the Sung Creed, because it did just vanish. Uh, what used to be sung every Sunday, every solemnity for centuries just stopped. So as we are trying at this parish to elevate our liturgies, that's part of my role at this parish, is to help our liturgies have um, more gravitas to them, especially on the solemn feast, um, and to, to do things that the church has asked us to do. Uh, the church has asked us to do our best and to 
sing when we can, to do the best we can, when we can, uh, to really utilize the resources of this parish uh, vocally, instrumentally, uh, congregationally, anything that we can do to really have the best liturgies we can. Um, that's what I'm trying to have us do by, by implementing new things like this, like singing the readings and the creed. Um, but there are a couple of settings of the creed in English, and if you were at our All Saints Day Mass just a little while ago, uh, you would have heard it, uh, heard one of them sung. Uh, we introduced it at that liturgy because it, we knew it wouldn't have 600 people in the church, uh, even though we wished it did. Uh, it did not. It only had about 160 people in the church, but it was a way of introducing to a small part of our congregation, to our parish, uh, something new um, in a way that uh, it, it was the only new thing that we did at that Mass. So it was the only different thing, the only thing that people had to struggle through. Everything else was as usual or as we've been doing on solemnities. So it wasn't too much work for everyone. Uh, and we used a setting that's actually already in our hymnal. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have looked through our hymnal in depth before or whether you just open it to the page numbers on the board sometimes like I do, um, but at the very front it has all of the dialogues set to reading, or set to, to chant, um, it has all the parts that you could sing, that the priest could sing, and it shows you how it would look so that way we can respond more actively, um, which if you come to a mass that we're singing more things, I recommend you uh, look at if you need the assistance, um, but the creed is actually in there, one of the settings of the creed uh, there are a couple different English settings that are very accessible, very easy to sing after you just listen to them a couple times. Uh, and one of them is in the hymnal, and we sang that. And I, I personally thought it went great. Uh, I think I, I heard so many people singing, uh, which sometimes when I'm in the church and you only hear a couple people singing the hymn, you're like, well, obviously this was a flop. Uh, this did not go well. <laughs> But uh, there were so many people it felt like singing the creed that it, it felt beautiful. I, and I was happy to hear so many people join in. Um, usually, the, uh, historically, the first line of the creed, I believe in one God, or as it was in Latin before, credo in unum deum, was intoned by a single person, usually the priest, right? Uh, but in some instances and in recent times, uh, the choir could be, the cantor could be the first person to say that line, the I believe in one God. And then immediately following that line, everyone joins in together in unison. And it's, it's powerful uh, to, to say the truths of the church, the beliefs of all of us. And when we're saying I believe, we're saying I personally but also I, as a part of the mystical body of Christ, united corporately here with everyone else in this church, everyone together, coming together to say the same things, to believe the same things. I believe, we believe in this act of, as one, as one body, believe, etc., etc. Um, so that's pretty much all I have on, on this uh, I just wanted to introduce what it was and why we did it. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, those of you who are listening, uh, some of you were at the All Saints Day Mass and heard it sung. Um, 
and our, we'll start to hear it sung at our upcoming solemnities. We've got some big solemnities coming up soon uh, with, like I said, with Christ the King. You've got Christmas coming up, obviously, and all those other feasts. I hope that uh, you hear it there and you join in, uh, that you pick up the hymnal and you join in with us singing. Um, and just to, to end this, um, I'm actually going to play a little bit of it and put a link in the show notes to a version of the creed that we sang so that way you can listen to it and maybe prepare yourself to the next time that we sing so that way we can sing together as one body of christ together fully worshiping the lord god bless <laughs>